Something about the mornings tends to work for this show. We get to be timely. We get to display how quickly we can turn things around. And you've clicked play again. Thanks for doing so. I'm Unqua Sonia. He's Brian Albin. Welcome back to Award Tour, the podcast. We tackle the intersection of race and sports every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to rate us, review us, subscribe, and keep up with everything that uh, we're saying and or not saying. That all being said, we've got a full show for you today. Our basketball fans will be very, very happy because, yes, we're going to talk about Draymond Green. We will cover the weather and tell me something I don't know, and we will be bringing back Let's Talk, Let's Not. We invented a lot of great games throughout this journey we've had together, and we finally get a chance to bring it back. Nevertheless, how are you doing? I am just basking in the glow of working for a team on a three-game winning streak (laughs) in the NBA. Because I kid you not, this is the Wizards' first three-game winning streak after their win over Denver last night since December of 2018. That bad, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, And not just am I basking in that glory. I am basking in the glory of the New York Knicks being in the top eight of the Eastern Conference. Come on, somebody! And I am basking in the glory of James Booknight returning from his elbow injury and just dunking on Providence College, which is uh, I'll give you that. always nice. I will give you that. So whatever, whatever sleep I have missed over the past few days from being busy from work, I am just uh, I'm regaining the energy on basketball fumes right now. I feel it. I feel it. I was almost out of retirement for play-by-play because, you know, COVID is a very, very weird beast. And I was really convinced that there was nothing going to be open. I'm going to have to give up or whatever. There's a game that was scheduled for today that got COVID. The COVID Got COVID canceled? Yes, it got COVID canceled. It's a dirty shame. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I can readjust my, my approach to prepping. I can target this, this, and this. I thought I had changed the game, and I don't get to play it. Um, I felt worse yesterday, much better now, because all things happen in their respective times. So uh, a weird amount of trust to be using at this time, but um, I'm not mad at it. With this year, you're just trying to get to the next one. Amen. Is this even a year at this point? Like, what? I know it's been less than a year since COVID started, but it feels like it's been a generation the sad part is it's only about two weeks away from being the full-fledged year. I know. I know. I mean, technically, yeah, the first cases had already been in America by this time last year. But we were talking about, like, five cases back then. Instead of, like, millions. But we're getting, cl- we're, we're getting close to the one-year anniversary of the cruise trip. Oh, good Lord. So uh, that's, uh, that's something. Anyway, we have stuff to talk yes, about, don't we? Yes, we do. Plenty of stuff. And the first, well, look, if you've been around the NBA even a little bit, you know that Draymond Green has never lacked for words. Sometimes he's got great things to say. Sometimes he's got funny things to say. In this case, he sort of stunned the NBA world because he stuck up for Andre Drummond, who is reportedly in trade talks from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Needless to say, he was not taking that one too well or too lightly. To watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bull****. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's – no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team, and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. Gotcha. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, 
then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this, you can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, Everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win. Do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can. It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, Oh man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations and it's ridiculous and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow or Wednesday. So that was a lot. Um, Your initial thoughts before we dive in. So my initial thoughts are that I don't want to say I disagree with anything that Draymond said, right? Like, the way he played out that situation is a very truthful, candid account, right? Like, he pointed out a double standard that does exist. My whole thing was I just don't know if there should be anything more to it than, like, congratulations, you successfully pointed out a double standard. If that makes sense. Hmm. You know, it's super interesting because we have talked and others have definitely talked about the NBA being a more quote unquote player friendly, a player's league in essence, because of the relationship that these mostly black players have with, white ownership and the commissioner and and all that sort of stuff. It sort of intrigues me that, yes, the double standard is there, but he is asking questions that I don't know if we ask enough. You take a team like the Timberwolves, right? It's always that Carl Anthony Towns didn't do this. Jimmy Butler forced his way out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at its peak, that team was an eighth seed in the West. And I think there was a GM, a new GM that changed hands from what I remember of that organization. But we sort of infer that organizations are the problem instead of saying outright that they are the actual problem. Shoot, the Knicks are case one, two, three, four, and five. Hold on, though. The Knicks are the exact case of people do say the organization's the problem. Everybody lays the problem with the Knicks of the past 20 years. Where? At the feet of James Dolan. So, they're like, what are you saying, Jeremy? You know what I mean? Like, Right there, that would sort of defeat Draymond's claims. Like, it's on a case-by-case basis is how this stuff works. 
I will say the idea of a player being told mid-game that they're traded, like in in no other professional setting would that be appropriate. Like it it wouldn't be. If you, if you were to find out that a portion of your job was being eliminated or moved, not even first. Come on. And these teams have the ability to keep things under wraps. They do. So when someone finds out through the media that a move has been made, I I, I don't know about all that. So the comment that I agreed with and felt like he made the strongest point on, it is messed up that Anthony Davis gets that uh, fined $100,000 for publicly demanding out of New Orleans. But anytime a team leaks to Woj or leaks to Shams that so-and-so's on the trade block, we're in talks to get rid of so-and-so, we're not going to play so-and-so until we find his suitable exit out of here, that there's no repercussions for the team. I think that that was perfectly suitable comments. And I think he made a very strong point there. And I don't think that, again, I don't think he said anything that was wrong in terms of stating facts versus fiction. Um, I did think that the, I did think the point he tried to make about organizations never get called out as being poorly run was a false narrative, though, because once again, I, I would take you to the New York Knicks as being case number one of a franchise where the blame is never really put on players or coaches for what has gone wrong in New York. The blame has always been put at the top on ownership. Um, So like it's a bit of a false narrative to me on that point. I guess my whole thing is just like, it's one thing to point out a double standard, but what are you actually saying it should be like? Because I could do the same thing to Draymond and say, yeah, you know what? It is kind of double standards exist in any type of business relationship where one side has more power than the other. Because guess where Draymond Green is the beneficiary of a double standard? In how players can talk about and treat officials. Because Draymond Green can do things to a game official that a game official could never do to Draymond Green, right? Well, they kind of, well, no, say more, say more, say more. I'm not buying that because Draymond Green gets more technicals than other people in the league, that that equals officials are able to do something back to Draymond Green. Like Draymond Green can intimidate them. Draymond Green can yell things at them that he would never say to anybody in the street. Draymond Green in a post-game media conference can blast an official by name. He will get fined for it by the league, but he can blast an official by name in a way that sets the internet off into a frenzy talking about how much they hate so-and-so official. An official cannot have a post-game media conference back in which he says, you know what, Draymond Green should worry less about my officiating because he messed up all these plays last night. You know what I mean? Like, a double standard exists in the treatment relationship between players and officials too, and that has to do with who has more power within the league as well, right? So my whole thing is like, congratulations, Draymond. You pointed out a double standard that there is things that ownership and management seem to get away with and seem to be allowed to do within the business structure that players and labor within the business structure don't get to do. And you can make those points and they can be right, but like, what are you saying should be done about it? Because you're not just going to start treating uh, officials with a co-equal amount of respect. Like, double standards exist. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not advocating for them but I'm not really sure what he is saying is the alternative, what should be happening here. Like, should people have laid off James Harden for the way he left Houston? Is that what he's advocating for? Because what I would say to that is no. Nobody should be having James Harden's back for the way he got his way out of Houston. Like, 
people have handled trade requests way more professionally than James Harden handled his in Houston. So if that's what we're advocating for, then like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to disagree with you, Draymond. See, the issue of power is a very interesting one to me. Because when it comes to players and officials, I think it's a little bit more equal than... I think it's a little bit more equal than you than you let on. Not certainly not all the way equal, not even close. But I do think that an official has the power to change somebody's game, which can change somebody's season, which can change how much they get paid. It's not as if the officials are just volunteers coming in to sort of do a job that these athletes are just sort of berating. Like, no, these athletes, excuse me, these officials are paid. They're paid solid money. And they also have a responsibility. And those players, in the heat of the moment, they if they deserve a tech, they deserve a tech. And I don't really care how many techs that Drayvon Green gets, personally. But I think that is a different relationship than it is player to ownership because what i will say is that for yes there exists a double standard there is also sort of the human component to it that i think draymond is referring to because let's face it they are in a business where making a million dollars a year would be life-changing for the entire country but it's chump change in the NBA, which means the conversations are different. It means the scenarios are different, which means when these decisions are made about these players, they're not seen as, oh, this is Andre with a family that just got used to Cleveland and he is unhappy right now. So we need a better fit. This is at least being framed publicly as, He doesn't work. He doesn't want to play. He's out. And I think there's a difference between calling that maybe a fact of life and examining that there is more to this. Like the the way that an organization comes out and handles a situation like that, it it does tell you a lot. Well, But I don't think that's what is going on with Drummond, though. I I think the point that Draymond is making is that the Cavaliers can decide they just don't want Andre Drummond anymore and decide that they're going to move on to Jared Allen and be very public about we're going to try to trade you don't play we don't want you to play until we find a way to trade you and by the way like it's still your job to be in shape for whenever the next team gets you or if we change our mind I think that's where he was sort of pointing to the double standards that like the team can just decide we're done with so-and-so we're going to move him on but the player can't decide we're done with so-and-so I'm done with this organization put me somewhere else and in the case of James Harden can't do whatever it takes to make that happen for him without getting dogged by the media and by the fan base and everything like that. Like, I think that's the double standard. Right. But it goes, but it does go back to my point that when they make this decision, they're not thinking of everything surrounding Andre Drummond and what matters to him or what doesn't. They care about what it means for them and, how best they can move on. And that is their prerogative as an organization. And I, can't, with- I, can't take, I can't take that away from them. But the way that they go about it, I think there's a reason to be upset about that. I'm not saying that Draymond or players don't have the right to be upset about that part of the situation. But I can't help but like, laugh a little bit when like you brought up the idea that in the relationship between like players and officials officials are not volunteers who are just doing this uh for good and get 
treated poorly. They are doing a job that they get compensated for. NBA players are doing a job that they get compensated for too. So like the double standard is much the same. Like I'm not trying to say that NBA players, because they get paid millions of dollars, uh, we shouldn't care at all about them being humans who have feelings. Like, of course we should. Of course they're people. Of course they're going to have thoughts, and of course they're going to have frustrations with their businesses too. My whole thing is... It rings a little bit... I think one of the problems that a lot of people have with athletes is it does ring a little bit spoiled when you hear the complaints of a double standard that exists within their industry in which they are had to work extremely, extremely hard to get to where they were. But in the grand scheme of things, they're also lucky ones, right? Like they're lucky to have the talent, have the blessing, and have done the work to get to the position they're in which is something that a lot of people never would have had the opportunity based on God's gifts alone. Um, And so, like, there's a lot of people out there who have to operate within double standards in their regular jobs, too. And it's just part of life. And there's nothing that they can do about it either. And so when they hear Draymond complaining about, you know, it really sucks that the media gets on a James Harden for doing what he did with Houston and that fans get on James Harden for doing what he did with Houston, but they never get on organizations for doing the same thing back to players and they never put the blame on organizations for why something goes wrong. Like, do I think he is necessarily wrong about the things he's saying? No, but it's like, okay, you're crying out about something. What's your proposed solution? And without hearing a solution, without it just being like a complaint, I think it rings as sour milk to a lot of people because it's just like, if official, once again, I'll go back to the officials point. If officials started being vocal about how, you know, it's really that we have to deal with death threats from people after we are perceived to have blown a call with 12 seconds left in a game, but nobody wants to hold the players accountable for all the mistakes they made over the course of the game that put their team in that situation. Uh, It's pretty shitty that I have to be subjected on national TV to Draymond Green being demonstrative and yelling in my face every single time I make a call that goes against his team, but I have no recourse to legitimately defend myself, and he can put this magnifying glass on me that brings negative attention my way. You know, like, that's my whole thing with it. It's like you would never hear the officials say that because they don't have the room to say that, and guess what? Nobody would feel bad for them either. So it's like he's successfully pointing out that double standards exist, but I don't feel that bad for you either because guess what? You're the prophet of a double standard in other circumstances. I've taken a deep breath. I've calmed down, chilled out a bit. Sorry, Draymond. Didn't want to sound like I was mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I just uh, just, just wanted to know what exactly you propose is a solution. That's all. That's all. You're still my guy. Still love your work ethic. Do you know what was the lowest point of low uh, work ethic in my life, though? Tell me. Oh, well, there might be something you know about, but for tell me something I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. Come on, people. You know. There was a uh, there was a snowstorm in the winter of 2010 in the D.C. area. It was called the snowpocalypse. We got what, like 27 to 30 inches of snow over the course of like seven days. Yes. Shut us down for a while. A good old week and a half. If I, recall. I didn't have class for 12 days. <sighs> what a time! So that was probably the, the uh, time in my life where my work ethic was the lowest. and in honor of uh it being a snowy morning in dc snow coming up the east coast we figured why not just share weather stories with each other what tell me something i don't know what is your just memory of snowpocalypse 
Oh, so here's the biggest one. Um, at the time, I was living on GW. People know this. I was living on the Vern, so the auxiliary campus of GW. And my roommate and I at the time had a falling out. Um, to a point where, like, I even heard on the phone that a girl I was talking to at the time. Her friend heard on the phone from him that he, quote, unquote, hated me. And I'm like, wow, all right. Strong. So I decided that I was going to pack a bag because we had an intramural game. You and I were on the same team, I think, actually, at like on a, it was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So right when the snow started to fall, I had a hunch that um, – Things were going to get bad. We didn't know how bad at first. I said, you know what? I'm going to pack a bag and I am going to get out of there because I'm not going to be stranded with somebody who hates me. I'm not going to do it. So I pack up, get on the bus. I take my luggage and all into Hellwell. I don't remember what happened. I know we, we pretty much lost that game. Um, I will never, I will never forget being wide open and watching somebody drive on three people. That happened at least four times that game. I was, I was, I was incensed. But the end of the day comes, the end of the game comes rather, and I look around and I go, yeah. So listen, I'm not going back to the Vern tonight. Does anybody have a couch or anything that I can just? crash on good old benjamin topio i I miss him but absolute top 10 people for me from gw he was like hey you know i don't have an extra couch but i do have a bed since my roommate moved out i said really it's like yeah you can crash there if you want i'm like thank you so I get into their residence hall. And I think I just put my stuff down. There was commotion going on next door because we shared a suite or whatever. And I walked into a room of people who eventually ended up being some of my best friends from GW. And as they say, the rest is history. So Snowpocalypse actually got off to a pretty solid start. I'm appreciative. I just remember Snowpocalypse is one big blur. Oh, my. And I remember consuming a lot of pizza bagels. I remember really only ever leaving the apartment to walk to 18th and I or 20th and I. Because the only thing that was open for like the first five or six <laughs> days of Snowpocalypse were the package stores. Absolutely. Because the guys were just living out of their stores, yeah. knowing that, yes, I'm going to sell my entire stock to these Snowden college students. 110%. Who have nothing to do but drink all day. And I think I just remember it being like, the eighth or ninth day in a row of no class. It was like a Friday. And just waking up, cracking open a beer at like 10.30, <laughs> and just asking myself, is this what life is going to be? Little did I know it was dress rehearsal for COVID. Oh, that because, was more fun, though. Oh, that was way more fun because you didn't have to socially distance from the thousand people in your dorm building. In fact, and you, ju you, you just kind of got, it was a whole getting to know you. Yeah, you sort of knew everybody by the end of it. But in terms of just like the having nothing to do, basically being locked inside, and just your acceptable times for when you started drinking, just gradually moving earlier and earlier and earlier throughout like your, your week. That was the practice session, I feel like. 
And then the only other just like major memory of Snowpocalypse, because who knows if anything like this would ever happen again. Hmm. The Georgetown GW snowball fight. I totally missed that one. Tell me. Please tell me. Just like how many times this was like still early-ish years of Facebook, right? So like that was still the medium in which everybody was going to. I don't think that in 2021 these college kids would effectively TikTok organize a university versus university snowball fight in like the middle of DuPont Circle. Where it's literally just like hundreds of kids from each school. Oh man! Just in and all, and, and you know, it, it's one of those things where once it got, it got so crowded and so busy that at some point it just turns into a free for all, and nobody even knows who they're throwing at anymore. There's friendly fire going around. Everybody, it was just like it was. Uh, it was one of the last. It's nice to be a kid moments that yeah. I feel like. I probably ever had in my in my uh in my life. Yeah. Well, just said. went on forever. Well said. You know what? I think that's what I miss most about Snowpocalypse. Like, it was one time that the world stopped. You had quasi adult privileges, but you were a kid. Right, but you had but you had quasi adult privileges and no responsibilities. I would give anything to go back to college. Oh my god. Yeah, no. I feel like I really would. Anytime the topic of winter in DC comes up around anybody who was not here for Snowpocalypse, I feel like I instantly just go straight into talking about Snowpocalypse and how it was probably the best 12 consecutive days. That I will ever experience. Amen. Even professors gave up around that time. They're like, yeah, just well, we'll see when we get back. <laughs> oh, yeah. But well, by the end, like the metro because the metros just took so long to open up again. Mm-hmm. And I think even by the end, once the metro opened up, some of the teachers had a couple days of like, well, no, we drive too. roads are still bad. <laughs> I feel like it was I feel like it was one of those things where it was probably good for everybody to return to class on a Thursday or Friday. But by then the teachers were like, nah, we'll see you on Monday. And it just extended it an extra extra few days. Going back to class. <sighs> that, hurt. that was tough. That hurt. That actually super hurt. We transition out of a weekly game to a game that only comes up on occasion. It's time for a good old edition of Let's Talk, Let's Not. That means we are going to quickly breeze through a whole bunch of topics, and we are just going to simply decide, do we feel like talking about them, or is it not worth our time? Hence, let's talk, let's not. And so we're going to start off with in light of her loss this morning, last night, whatever it was, at the Australian Open to Naomi Osaka, there seems to be some people out on the internet trying to question Serena Williams' bona fides and uh, talk about if this impacts her legacy at all. Let's talk, let's not. Let's not. They're stupid. Next. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty well said. Um, <laughs> freshman forward at Duke, Jalen Johnson, a one and done, decided earlier this week to opt out of the remainder of Duke's season. Uh, Duke, for context, I believe is 8-7 and seven now after a win a night ago against Wake Forest. It doesn't appear like they're on the way to the NCAA tournament. Johnson, on the other hand, uh, a projected top 10 pick in this year's NBA draft. He is catching some flack uh, from media personalities, is quitting on his team. Let's talk or let's not. Oh, I absolutely want to talk about this one because... It was in all of these programs' best interest to operate during a pandemic. All of them. These programs did what was best for them and the kids in turn, whether they opted in or not, did their best to make do. 
If a young man sees a sinking ship, he's got the right to get off of it. We see this conversation also with college football players that opt out of playing in bowl games that aren't in the CFP because it can get them hurt and jeopardize their draft standing. We already saw Keontae Johnson from Florida be out for the rest of the year because he collapsed during a game. I have no problem with not wanting to risk it, especially if the team's going nowhere. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one because there's like different there's different layers to it. I don't have a problem with him choosing to opt out. I also don't understand why people are taking offense to, I think the main culprit was John Rothstein. Yes. Who said, uh, it's not opting out, it's quitting. And like, that was a bit overdramatic on his part, but like, it is quitting. It is absolutely quitting. Um, I just don't have a problem with it per se. (laughs) But, like, it is quitting. And, like, I don't understand why people... I saw so many different arguments along the lines of you can't quit something you're not paid for and things like that. No, no, no. They... No. Seriously? Yeah, there's a lot of people who I feel like on Twitter I've seen and made the argument that, like, you can't say that he's being a quitter because you can't quit something that you're not paid to do. Okay, come on. And it's like, well, no, please don't bring that into this because of course you can quit like even like people do it all the time like what people quit jobs that they're paid for it's called quitting uh just because duke doesn't pay him and by the way are we so convinced that you know there was no bag man involved so let's be clear <laughs> well no serious i'm just saying duke didn't become some one and done factory until six years ago right like they weren't in the game originally how did they all of a sudden get in the game? Are you trying to tell me there's never been a bag involved for any of these top guys who have gone to Duke in the past six years? The shade I'm not is buying sky, it. The shade is sky high right now. So let's not be so quick to say uh, that he didn't quit on something he wasn't being paid for. But also... I'm still crying. But also, like, I'm done with this whole... We now have a viable alternative, right? Like, it's been proven. If you don't think college is the best thing for you to raise your draft stock in a year, if you think you can do so and make money while doing it, there's now a G League alternative that we are seeing. Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and company aren't being paid NBA money, but they're being paid a heck of a lot more than bag men, I think, are giving college kids. And they're balling out. They're not hurting their pro prospects at all. Like, you had a choice. You chose to go to Duke. You didn't choose to do the G League thing. You didn't choose to go overseas. You chose to go to Duke. You quit. That's all there is to it. And that's okay. And that's okay. Like, I, I I have no problem with him doing it. And I have no problem with people calling him quitter. Like, that, sure. We can have it both ways. Yeah, there's actually one time you can actually have it both ways. We'll see. He doesn't owe it to anybody to stay. Oh, shoot. But he did quit. You're on a 10-0 run right now, man. Keep going. You're on a 10-0 run right now. No, I've said enough. Let's talk, let's <laughs> not. Um, I need you to frame this one, actually. What the hell's going on with Trevor Bauer? What's he up to these days? Oh, let's definitely talk. Because this man has set an MLB record for highest annual salary. Um, Before he made his way to Hollywood to sign with the Dodgers, Uh, He has been in trouble on social media for attacking women in media. And I do mean attacking women in media verbally and pretty much saying they don't deserve to be there Um, on an sounds friendly on an unrelated, quote unquote, political note. uh, He is definitely a member of the QAnon gang. Uh, Like he literally on the mound wrote down the initials to Bush did 9-11 on the mound. So. That's a guy that you apparently want to share a locker room with Mookie Betts, with David Price, etc., etc., all under the guise of quote unquote being a good teammate. That's always kind of bothered me because I've learned that people take them full selves in with them to work. Even if they don't express it, the way that they go about certain things is based on their value set. Because he can throw a ball 97 miles an hour, which is a feat that very few people can do. 
you can quote unquote take the good with the bad. I tend to think that he was going to he was going to get paid no matter what. He's going to find a job no matter what. But let's let's chill out with how big a deal this is. Like, it's I, an I interesting care. interesting way that you have framed this. Because I've never thought of, well, I have, I guess I've thought about it, but like I didn't, I didn't know his situation to think of it through the lens of, can you be a good teammate while holding views that outside of the locker room negatively impact some of your teammates? Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that one more. You can even we can pick a pin and come back to it if you decide you want to talk back about it again. We'll have to we'll have to think about that one because like part of me wants to say no and then part of me wants to say yes and then part of me wants to say no and then part of me wants to say yes. So I think I'm gonna have to sit on this one a little bit more. Cause I sure as hell wouldn't give Tom Brady a pass. Ooh. So, well, I'm just saying like I. I I got, I've got, I've got, I've had major Brady issues for years, but I've always hated Brady. So maybe that made me more willing to confront those issues with Brady me. than I'm willing to. So I, I got to unpack some things within myself, is what it seems like we've uh, figured <laughs> out here. Let's talk. Let's not. Goodness gracious, what else has been going on this week? I've already lost my place. Uh, let's talk. Let's not. There's been some major social media chatter in the pop culture sphere as in recent uh abc in conjunction or no fx in conjunction with hulu did a free britney spears documentary talking about britney spears's conservatorship and her desire to get out of it and one of the revelations that you know or topics that was talked about it was how justin timberlake uh got to profit off of their breakup portray Britney as a cheater, a bad girlfriend, all that, yada, 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 which negatively impacted her fame and helped his star blossom since it was his first solo album. This also brought up a lot of animosity his way towards how he handled the Janet Jackson situation at the Super Bowl halftime show in which Janet ended up getting dragged. Justin once again ended up his star non-impacted, if anything, it continued to rise. So a lot of heat was coming his way, and he issued a apology on, I believe it was Instagram, last week, in which he directly apologized to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, saying he failed them. Also talked about having uh, needing to apologize for have, having been someone who has benefited from and not done anything about power structures in entertainment that allow for him to or for males especially especially white males to not have to suffer the consequences of women or minorities or whatever it may be and saying that he wants to be a part of the solution you know very well crafted apology but seems like a lot of the social media sphere the internet is saying hell no justin uh, we are not accepting this apology from you. Uh, so let's not, uh, let's talk, let's not. How does one apologize for things they've done wrong in 2021? Is it possible? It's been 15 years. And he repeatedly like defended himself and disparaged who he's currently apologizing to now. I'm actually good to punt on this one. Let's not. Let's not. There we go. What else do we have in the world that is let's talk, let's not worthy? Um, I think we're out. Is that out? I think we made it. I think we made it through our topics. I think we've done it. Hooray. Hooray. The people are pleased, I think. Keyword, I think another successful edition of Let's Talk, Let's Not. We have come to the point of the show 
where we have to do what our name says we do, and that is hand out awards. These awards go to people for a whole bunch of things, either because we dislike them, uh, they actually accomplished something, they did something funny that reminded us of something else. They're made-up awards. That's how it works. Welcome to the award tour portion of the podcast. How about you start us off with uh, fun things that have happened this week? Oh my God, so the internet finds ways to just... Well, I'm sandwiching the award, so so this is my one of three, but I'm combining the last two into three. Um, do you know? I'm, do you have you played with Play-Doh before? I mean, I've certainly played with Play-Doh before. And when you were a kid, did you at one point like try to like make food with the Play-Doh? Maybe not necessarily eat it, but like you would just throw certain things together. Um, that was not something that I, that was part of my, uh, play-doing. Oh. If I'm making it a verb. All right. So, TikTok tends to, um, really give great cooking tutorials. And I do mean great cooking tutorials. Like, you'll sit there and go, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, so, a, a user by the name of The Getty Show, and that is indeed spelled G-E-T-T-I show she had a recipe of her own and just just listen so right there in the center we're gonna do one more hi-ya all right here's my next set you gotta flip it very gently and notice that the spaghetti is still uncooked special recipe that i like to call Getty spaghetti. <laughs> Here comes the fun part. Some bell peppers, onion, yellow bell peppers, my special Bulgarian spice called chubrica. I like to go like this. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, we got one more special ingredient. You're putting nerds in Yes, there. yes, yes. They're going to release the sugars and it's going to be just enough sweet. So that's what's going to soften it up. Exactly. I'm still a bit confused by these nerds. <laughs> Being in the Getty Spaghetti. You don't have to cover it. All right, it's been 20 minutes. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Wow. That looks mm. amazing. Mmm. Getty Spaghetti. Yummy. What was happening there? A cry for help. That, that feels like a, a cry for help. So the Cooking with Play-Doh Award goes to Getty because the moment she wrapped the the meat around the spaghetti, I was like, this is already weird. Then she said, notice I didn't cook. And I'm like, this is getting weirder. But when she put the nerds, a literal candy inside that baking sheet. I lost my mind. It did not look appetizing. I just. And why is the cameraman lying to this woman? I mean, like, I believe why? that the cameraman must be a husband. It's not a lie I would tell, but it... I've seen it done. <laughs> If, Yikes. If I, like I said, I'd rather start off on that note. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's at least lighthearted. My my uh, my first and only award of the week, I woke up and just saw something and got pissed. So I am sort of made this one up quite quickly. Uh, it's going to be, you know, you know, when you watch inside the NBA on TNT and it's the first round of the playoffs and the one seed gets out to a nice 3-0 lead on the eight seed. What did Chuck, Kenny, and Shaq say pre-game, halftime, post-game about the team that's down 3-0? They'll never come back. It's over. Uh, they like to break out the one, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, in the midst of actively working with 
Trump's defense team to get him acquitted of insurrection. And in the midst of the state in which he represents going through power outages and blackouts throughout the state that have left something like 4 million people in Texas without power. Um, and they're just sort of living in freezing conditions right now that they are not accustomed to with no electricity, no running water, any of that. Texas Senator Ted Cruz apparently has decided it is a great time to go on a vacation to Cancun with his family. So the one, two, three Cancun award (laughs) is going to Ted Cruz for finding new ways each and every day to show us he's a bigger jack wagon than he did the day before. You want to know what's crazy? You have officially made Ted Cruz a historic part of our show. Have I? Because Ted Cruz will be the first ever person on award tour of the podcast to get two awards in the same damn show. Oh boy. Because I've done it. I saw that news as well. And I said, you know what? First off, let, let, let me say this to everyone who's in the Houston, Dallas, anyone who's in Texas right now suffering from this, this winter storm. I really pray and hope that, that you're safe, that your families are safe, that the house is safe. I know of a couple people who are, are really, really suffering down there. And it just, my heart breaks specifically because those who were in power are inept and flat out evil because Ted Cruz will be sharing this award with another Texas politician, but one that is not quite on the national scene. Let's talk about a man named Tim Boyd. Now, Tim Boyd is the mayor of Colorado City, Texas. And he got a lot of, as all of us do, searched the internet on social media. And he decided to post the following on Facebook after seeing that people are crying out saying, where is the government in all this? Where are my taxes going? He writes... Let me hurt some feelings while I have a minute. No one owes you or, he meant to say or, your family anything. Nor is it the local government's responsibilities to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county, along with power providers or any other service, owes you nothing. I'm sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. If you don't have the electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to keep your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside of the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy, he misspelled your, is direct result of your raising. Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. He meant to say perish. You can already tell his in- he didn't do too well in English. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of a socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few will work and others will become dependent for handouts. Am I sorry that you have been dealing without electricity and water? Yes, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Bottom line, don't a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it weed? Is it pure delusion? 
Because I have never heard a government official say something so asinine. And that's hard to say considering what the last four years were like. Because people literally pay their taxes for this. They pay their respective energy and water companies for this. They are literally not getting a service that they paid for. And they are not getting support from their government, which they are paying for. What do you think taxes are? How do you think your salary gets paid, Tim Boyd? Let me know. But the idea that during a natural disaster, that it's on the responsibility of those who are already stranded with nowhere to go, where hotel rooms are all of a sudden shooting up in price. Hotel rooms in Texas are not that expensive. I've been there for play and I've been there for work. As demand rose due to power going out, I saw listings where hotels were either sold out or on sale for $1,100 a night. Mind you, it's still COVID. Gas stations are running out of fuel. People are waiting an hour to get gas into their car on roads that are not prepared for ice. CVSs and other pharmacies are out of water and overall food. People are getting up off their asses and doing things, Tim Boyd. It just so happens that you and whoever's in your government, let's not be that willing to do it. This dude sounds like Joe Quimby, the mayor of Springfield. Totally inept, probably cheating on his wife. And combine him with Ted Cruz and Texas flat out deserves better. Ergo, the Joe Quimby Award for Effective Leadership goes both to Ted Cruz and to Tim Boyd. I don't really feel the need to give Ted Cruz any more airtime because he's a traitor. But I'm wondering when people will actually see the light. I mean, this Tim Boyd fella sounds like he's been sipping a whole lot of dumbass juice. (laughs) I personally think it's drugs, but okay. And by drugs, you mean Fox News. And drugs. (laughs) And actual drugs. And actual drugs. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, I don't even... You pile that on top of, I believe... Dan McCarthy is the name of the Texas congressman who's been on blast trying to blame what's going on in Texas on the Green New Deal and on AOC. And it's like, for one, there is no Green New Deal yet, so you can't blame something on something that doesn't even exist. And uh, AOC does not represent your state, you do. So while we're on the topic of personal accountability and uh, taking care of yourself by your bootstraps. Let's look in the mirror, Texas. Let's not... Texas representatives, by the way. Let's not shame any of the good people of Texas who are going through something that is bad right now. But the one thing I will say in terms of what you said, I believe Obama told us when we elected Donald Trump, you get the politicians that you deserve. Because you get the politicians that you vote for. There have been a lot of people in Texas coming around to uh, that a certain group of people haven't necessarily been representing their best interests. But we're not all the way there yet. Seems like hopefully a few more will come around after uh, they realize that this whole deregulation, run everything for profit does not lead to emergency preparation because guess what? It actually costs money to weatherize gas pipes. It actually costs money to make sure in advance that if for some reason 
there is an unlikely cold snap that comes through your state, that you are prepared to not be shut down by it. Those things cost money. Isn't this the same Texas Rep McCarthy that was trying to dunk on California while they were going through wildfires? Uh, I don't know enough about his history, so I'm not even going to try. I'm willing to look it up. (laughs) It's just, it's sad. Like, it's sad that we have come to this point in time where I understand that politicians are trying to keep their jobs. And so, therefore, uh, there might be some desires to forego taking personal responsibility for problems that you have somehow contributed to but there is just like this there is a blatantness in the lie at times that is just so disrespectful and so insulting of everyone's intelligence granted they get away with it enough that I guess some people's intelligence is worthy of insulting. Uh, but, like, come on now. You really want to blame what's happening in your state right now on solar and wind energy and the Green New Deal that doesn't exist yet when the solar and wind energy accounts for, like, I believe I've seen estimates between 8 and 13%. Of Texas's total energy. Like you're a natural gas state. If you were having power issues. The way that you were having power issues. Is because your gas supplies. And your gas industry has failed you. Don't lie about it. You're not. You're not. You're not going to trick. People who care enough to find out. So I was wrong about McCarthy. Being one of. Well at least I have not found anything. About him dunking on California. You already know Ted Cruz did. Uh. Uh, Dan Patrick, not the sportscaster, said this is what happens when Democrats are left in charge. Why California's liberal climate policies are causing electricity blackouts. This was back on August the 20th. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton said California's politicians did this, not the heat. And yes, there is more. Senator John Cornyn said Texas luring jobs away from California with promises of electricity from the Babylon Bee. I I just Oh, and here's my personal favorite. This is also from John Cornyn back on October the 30th of 2019. California's energy nightmare shows us why Texas must trust the free market. Oops. Free market didn't help out this time. Far from well, it appears we've gotten through our awards for the week. We have. To the good people of Texas, stay safe. And uh, please call these fools to the mat because you deserve better. Flat out. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, just best wishes to everyone who is cold and without power and without water right now. There's, there's no way to say it. Other than that, we, uh, we are both blessed to be able to bring this to you because we are not under such circumstances. And we hope that you'll be able to listen and enjoy it. As always, you can find us on the socials at Award Tour Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Albin Life with a Y. You can find Unqua on Instagram and Twitter at underscore I am NKWA, capital I, capital A, capital N. Any final words this week? If you have a snow shovel, I am sorry. If you have salt, good for you. But no more. I've had enough of snow. That's all. It's not fun anymore. It's not fun anymore. So I've had enough. I can agree to that sentiment. No more snow. Let's get to spring. Uh, let's go outdoors again. That, that, that sounds like that would be a good time. By the way, I'm going to start this very unofficial countdown, and I'm going to say this in matter of weeks. We are three weeks away from the one and only daylight savings time. We are one. I'm going to confirm one, two, 
three. Still four March weeks 14th. away. March 14th. We still got some time. We okay. got 24 days. 25 days. 25 like days till daylight savings time. That's where I'll get there. to be happy today. That's where I'll get to be happy again. It'll be a beautiful thing. We look forward to it. Rate and subscribe to us on Apple, on Google, on Twitch. Uh, not Twitch or on Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify. You know where to find us. Until next week, folks. So long. Bye.